Good morning, and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Thursday, February 15th. On today's show, the U.S. prepares to confront Trump-driven political turmoil at the Munich Security Conference, while a report finds that teachers are limiting lessons on political and social issues. Plus, Mitch McConnell says Donald Trump made the Ukraine aid package doubly challenging as he fights for a deal. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with a look at the Munich Security Conference, traditionally a celebration of the U.S.-led post-World War II international order, but set to reflect America's political turmoil this year. The event comes on the heels of former President Donald Trump's threat not to defend European allies in the event of a Russian attack, raising concerns about the U.S.'s future role on the global stage. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about the significance of this year's conference? Certainly, David. The Munich Security Conference is an annual event that has long been a platform for discussing global security issues. However, this year, the conference is overshadowed by a number of pressing issues, including the escalating situation in Ukraine and Gaza, as well as the political turmoil in the US following Trump's comments. These developments have brought back memories of Munich's past, including its history as the birthplace of the Nazi party and the site of the 1972 Munich Olympics massacre. What can we expect from the U.S. representatives at the conference? Vice President Kamala Harris and Secretary of State Antony Blinken are expected to laud American leadership and reaffirm the U.S.'s commitment to NATO. This comes in stark contrast to Trump's threat to not automatically defend European allies in the event of a Russian attack, a cornerstone of NATO's founding treaty. However, their reassurances may not be enough to quell the concerns of European leaders and NATO officials. What are the implications of Trump's comments on NATO? Trump's remarks have been branded as dangerous and un-American by President Joe Biden, and they have certainly fueled doubt among partners about the future dependability of the United States on the global stage. NATO's collective security commitment, known as Article 5, states that an attack on any member country will be met with a response from all of them. Any suggestion that the US might not uphold this commitment undermines the security of all NATO members. And what about the stalled US funding for Ukraine's defense? The additional US funding for Ukraine's fight against Russia remains stalled in Congress, with House Republicans, who are largely aligned with Trump, opposing the military aid. This has further complicated the situation, as the US's stability to continue providing billions of dollars in defense assistance for Ukraine is in question. How have European leaders responded to these developments? European leaders and NATO officials have expressed their concerns. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz criticized Trump's comments, calling any relativization of NATO's support guarantee irresponsible and dangerous. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg also stressed the importance of NATO's collective security commitment stating that any suggestion of not standing up for each other undermines the security of all members. Thanks for your insights, James. Now, shifting gears to a recent national study, it reveals that a majority of American teachers are limiting lessons on political or social topics 
due to concerns over parental complaints and a wave of legislation that has reshaped how educators can discuss race, history, sex, and gender in the classroom. Here to delve into this issue is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this study and its findings? Certainly, David. The study conducted by the RAND Corp is based on the latest State of the American Teacher Survey. The most common reason teachers gave for curtailing some forms of education was their fear that school or district leaders would not support them if parents expressed concerns. This fear was more prevalent among teachers working in politically conservative areas. Interesting. And how does this tie into the broader national debate over education? Well, this data comes at a time when the nation is grappling with how we teach and tell our history and describe our society to the youngest generations of Americans. Since the coronavirus pandemic, at least 14 states have enacted 18 law laws setting boundaries around what children can learn about race, while at least eight states have enacted 15 laws censoring or prohibiting discussion of gender identity, sexuality, and LGBTQ subjects. And how are parents reacting to this? There's been a rise in the parent rights movement, with some parents nationwide scrutinizing what their children are learning and reading at school, often by filing book challenges. A post-analysis found that LGBTQ books are fast becoming parents' main target, and that sexually explicit content is the top reason for book challenges. What about school districts? Are they implementing their own policies? Yes, thousands of school districts have adopted their own policies limiting what teachers can discuss with students when it comes to race, sex, gender, and history. The RAND Corp report found that these local-level restrictions were a significant factor in teachers' decisions to limit classroom lessons on political and social topics. And what about teachers who don't face these restrictions? Are they also limiting their instruction? Interestingly, the report found that a majority of teachers in places without state or local policies regulating classroom instruction also reported choosing not to talk about certain controversial issues. In fact, 55% did so. Teachers in this category were more likely to limit lessons if they lived in counties that voted heavily for Donald Trump in 2020. Thanks to Simply Politics reporter Michael for his insights. In a shift of focus, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has been pushing his fellow lawmakers to support Ukraine's ongoing battle with Russia, a position that has put him at odds with his own party and former President Donald Trump. In a recent interview, McConnell stated that Trump's influence has made efforts to aid Ukraine doubly challenging. Abby, our correspondent for Simply Politics, is here to delve deeper into this. Can you give us more context on McConnell's stance on aid to Ukraine? Certainly, David. McConnell has been a staunch advocate for supporting Ukraine in its conflict with Russia. This position, however, has exposed deep rifts within the GOP over the United States' role on the international stage. McConnell promotes the view that the U.S. should retain its role as a defender of democracy at home and abroad. This is in contrast to the America First GOP faction, which argues that the U.S. should focus on domestic issues. And how has this conflict within the GOP manifested itself? The conflict came to a head with the recent vote on a $95 billion foreign aid bill, which included $60 billion to support Ukraine. Despite Trump's personal lobbying against the bill, 22 Republican senators joined with Democrats to pass it. 
McConnell acknowledged that Trump's influence has made the push for aid to Ukraine more challenging, given his large following among Republicans. What does this mean for the Republican Party and its voters? The split among Republican lawmakers reflects a divide among the American people. Nearly a third of Americans believe the government is giving too much assistance to Ukraine, including around half of Republicans. Despite this, McConnell maintains that it is extremely important that Congress provide more help, a view that is in the minority within the GOP. How does McConnell justify his stance, given the opposition within his own party? McConnell argues that there are issues where the views of the public may be inconsistent with what is right for the country. He cites votes to raise the debt ceiling or pass bipartisan spending bills as examples. Despite the criticism, McConnell remains steadfast in his belief that supporting Ukraine is important to the country and the world. What's the current status of the aid package for Ukraine? The fate of the aid package now lies with the House. Speaker Mike Johnson has pledged not to take it up because it lacks border provisions. However, Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries and moderate repenter Brian Fitzpatrick are working on advancing the bill or creating an alternative bipartisan package. McConnell's question to them is, why don't they just vote on Ukraine? Thanks for that report, Abby. Now, shifting gears to another political development, former President Donald Trump has intensified his calls for Congress to impeach President Biden. This comes just a day after House Republicans voted to impeach Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent from Simply Politics, Bella. So, Bella, what exactly is Trump alleging here? Trump is accusing President Biden of weaponizing the Department of Justice, the FBI, and even local district attorneys and attorney generals against him. He's calling for Biden's impeachment, claiming that such actions are undemocratic. This is the second time in less than 24 hours that Trump has pushed for Biden's impeachment. And how does this tie in with the charges against Trump himself? Trump, who is the frontrunner for the Republican nomination, faces a total of 91 charges across four criminal cases. He has repeatedly sought to portray himself, without evidence, as a victim of a weaponized legal system. The Trump campaign is pursuing a strategy of trying to blunt the charges against him by leveling similar accusations against Biden. What about the impeachment proceedings against Secretary Mayorkas? House Republicans impeached Mayorkas by a single vote on Tuesday, after failing to do so last week. However, this process may not go far in the Democratic-led Senate, where some Senate Republicans have signaled they do not believe the Homeland Security Secretary's actions qualify as high crimes and misdemeanors, the threshold for a conviction. Mayorkas is the first sitting cabinet secretary to be impeached. What about the impeachment inquiry into Biden that was launched by House Republicans? Then House Speaker Kevin McCarthy launched an impeachment inquiry into Biden last fall, focusing on whether the president benefited from his son, Hunter Biden's business dealings, among other issues. However, House Republicans have yet to provide evidence that Biden directly benefited from those transactions. In December, GOP House members formally authorized an impeachment inquiry against the president in hopes that their subpoena requests could hold up in court, with no Democratic support. How has the Biden campaign responded to these allegations? A spokesperson for the Biden campaign, Amar Musa, 
said that Trump's remarks confirmed that House Republicans are operating as an arm of his campaign and executing on his orders with their baseless impeachment inquiry. He accused Trump of running a campaign fit for a dictator, focused on revenge and retribution, while President Biden focuses on delivering for American families. What's the latest on Trump's legal troubles? Trump has sought to capitalize politically on special counsel Robert K. Hur's recent report, which concluded Biden carelessly kept classified documents and notebooks at his home, but found that the evidence wasn't enough to charge him with a crime. In that report, Hur drew a distinction between Trump's and Biden's handling of classified documents. Thanks for the insights, Bella. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.